So I'm joined in this interview by Caroline Clark, who is a clinical animal behaviorist and also the author of Fear and Anxiety in Dogs. And we're going to be talking about anxiety in dogs and what you can do to help your dog and help yourself if you are the owner of an anxious dog. Um, so I'm really delighted to be chatting to Caroline. She's a she's a lovely lady who I've known for a few years now, and she's got so much great information to share. So Caroline, tell us a little bit about you, first of all, and, and your background. Uh, well, thanks for having me, first of all. Uh, so my background is in veterinary nursing. I started out my career working with animals as a veterinary nurse and spent many years um, in that role. And then I went into teaching, into education, uh, worked in education for quite some time, uh, worked for the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons, helping with the veterinary nursing courses. Um, but then sometime later, really based on the, the the stuff that I've been doing at the vet veterinary in veterinary nursing, um, I had a really keen interest in behaviour and uh, was asked to teach it at uh, uh, one of the um, undergraduate courses and uh, decided that I needed to delve a little bit deeper. And so I did a postgraduate course at Southampton, uh, specifically in companion animal behaviour counselling. And uh, so brought together kind of all those skills of teaching, because often with with problematic behaviors in dogs you've got to teach the owner how to how to help them so uh so it, that sort of spiked the interest um in in the behavior side and uh, then slowly i um kind of diversified into um behavior counseling and and now that's primarily my role um but still kind of links with education with some of the courses that I, that i run um, and uh, and yes, so kind of uh, a bit of a circuitous uh, um, path to, to 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 the behaviour counselling that, that that I ended up doing. But it's still nice to be able to kind of bring all those other strands into what what I do. Yeah. So tell us a bit about behaviour counselling then, because we hear about training and we hear about all kinds of different things, don't we? But yeah. what's behaviour counselling? Well, I mean, behaviour counselling and and training are kind of inextricably linked. You, to be a good trainer, you need to understand behaviour. To be a good behaviourist, you need to understand training. So there is quite a lot of crossover. But I guess behaviour counselling is really helping people when their dog's got a, a problematic behaviour yeah. and you're trying to kind of... Um, get to the bottom of it at my I'm a clinical animal behaviorist so um sometimes that involves helping them and discussing um medication that they might need with a vet for example so it's probably digging a little bit deeper into the problematic behaviors very often I'll work with a with a trainer um and uh, as part of a behavior plan I might advise the owner that the dog needs some training yeah. and then I'll refer and work with a, a trainer who's perhaps you know got running classes or does some one-to-one things um so we we do work together a lot and there is quite a lot of crossover but I suppose in some ways I'm kind of a troubleshooter as well people yeah. will come along and they say the dog's acting in a particular way and sometimes you've got to really find out what what the motivation for that behavior is and that's more the role I suppose that sets us apart a little bit but yeah we we we, we cross over an awful lot so you've written a book recently, haven't you, called I Fear have. and Anxiety in Dogs? And we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about the, the, the topic, really. But tell me a little bit about how you started um, working with people. And I guess anxiety in dogs feels, I know I know you know that I'm a regular pet owner. I'm not um, a pet professional, but 
hearing about anxiety and dogs experiencing this, it feels like a relatively new thing to me. Um, but from your perspective, like, how did you um, find yourself working with the, in this particular area with around the anxiety? Well, when you kind of look at behaviour problems, or when I sort of reflect on behaviour problems that I'm faced with when clients come to me, a huge amount of them are, are got the motivation for them is is fear and anxiety so you know whether you've got separation anxiety whether or not you've got dog dog um aggression aggression is often a a symptom of fear you know just the same as as in humans people will act aggressively if they're frightened you know it Mm -hmm. brings out sort of that aggression um dogs that are um frightened of noises bonfire night phobias they're all got these emotional um things in common you know that they've got these these fears anxieties and and they're all sort of linked really at neural level so because a, a huge amount of my caseload was was with the dogs that had got um anxiety and fear at the, at the root of the problem I just thought it seemed um a, a, a really good um uh, message to spread you know to how to help dogs with anxiety how to prevent anxiety because it you know it's a real welfare issue for dogs you know yourself if you're anxious about something just for a short period of time how debilitating it is and some dogs are living with that kind of debilitating emotion for most of their life so you know it's it's something that I really do feel quite passionate about helping helping owners to to treat but also to prevent problems mm-hmm. And when it comes to anxiety in dogs, I'm going to just say this now because it's mm. something I feel really guilty about as, mm. a, as a dog parent. Um, but like my old dog, Daisy, when we first got her, she, she was just crazy and she would bark and she would run off and she would do all these different things and she'd chase shadows and all these things. And we just thought she was crazy. But actually now, knowing what I know now, I mean, she died like five years ago, but having spoken to people like you over the years and other professionals, now I feel like she was anxious and I got it all wrong and if I I just wish I knew then what I know now but what are so now I'm on a bit of a mission so what are the signs that you know what kind of behavior um would be what kind of behavior would you see if you had an anxious dog well sometimes it's not that obvious I mean some of the things that you've just mentioned there can be signs of anxiety you know sort of um kind of problematic behaviours, but you can't really put your finger on it, you know, barking and chasing shadows and kind of almost, um, uh, you know, acting out of, you know, uh, hyper excitability, um, Mm -hmm. all of those kind of things that you sort of sometimes, ordinary sort of owners wouldn't necessarily think that their animal was anxious they might think oh they're just a bit daft or sometimes people will laugh at that behavior and the the thing that I will say to to you and I say to all my clients is please you know people sometimes seem to apologize to me or say well you know I don't don't know I should tell you this but actually what I'll say to them is is I wasn't born with you know none of us were born with with knowledge it's Mm -hmm. what we acquire and so you know I look back on my early you know years of being a dog owner and I cringe sometimes some of the things that I did but I'm only able to help people because I've I've learned and that's what my role is to teach 
educate people and help them. So I would say, and I say it to you, don't feel guilty. The thing is, is that you know now and that you, you know, that you want to learn more. So that's yeah. brilliant. Um, but the, some of the signs are really subtle. And, you know, one of the things I teach a lot of owners is to look for those subtle signs of anxiety. It might just be a, a, a position, the position of the ears. Um, dogs will often hold their ears in a different position. Sometimes the body will just take on a little bit of a cowering posture. Sometimes they'll just lick the lips and chomp the jaw. Well, some people would just miss those little things. And um, sometimes it's the position of the eye, whether or not you can see the whites of their eye, the sclera whether or not the body is just turned slightly to the side. So some of the behaviors are really subtle. One of the things that I do um, a lot of now is, is going to veterinary practices and teach vets and nurses some of those real subtle um, body postures. Because yeah. if we can recognize those early signs before they develop and escalate, then we can kind of, how we react towards the dog can make them feel a lot more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't then have to become um, a, a problem for the dog. And we can, and, and to a certain extent, particularly a veterinary environment or grooming or anywhere where somebody's working as a professional hands-on, it prevents them getting injured as well because yeah. often dogs will sometimes bite um, because it's the only place for them to go if they've been trying to issue these signals. But us thick humans just don't understand dog language. Yeah. Then sometimes they just feel in a position where they have to use aggression. And mm -hmm. so aggression is often and a sign of fear and anxiety it's it's you know people will say oh the dog went for me the dog growled but but it's but sometimes they're left without anywhere else to go because we can't recognize those those signs yeah and is it often the case with the people and clients and dogs that you work with where actually when something's escalated they look back and you you might explain the signs if you just have done there to me and say actually yeah they were there yeah yeah. yeah. And what's really nice is that people will then when you follow up with the consultations, because once you've seen somebody, you don't just leave them, you know, yeah. you have kind of few weeks to see how things are going. And then they, they will say, I noticed it, you know, I noticed that I've noticed that they do X, Y and Z that you pointed out. And so it's really nice. It's part of that being an educator, helping people to recognize those things and become ultimately better, better at reading dog and decoding dog language which yeah. is really which is an important skill I think for us to all learn um as as, as as dog owners definitely yeah absolutely and um yeah like I say looking back at how I was if I like I say I wish I'm gonna not apologize yeah as I know now and I don't really know that much now but yeah um, yeah. yeah have you noticed so it's really good to know the signs and thank you for explaining um those to me um if somebody's thinking, actually, yeah, I do think, actually, you know, I thought my dog was being disruptive or naughty or noisy or or aggressive or whatever, but actually it might be that they are anxious. What would the first step be for them to take, um, in your opinion? Well, I think it's important to reach out to, to somebody that can help. And it's important to reach out to somebody that can help that gives correct advice. And that can be really tricky. Because being a trainer, being a behaviourist, they're not protected titles. Anybody can call themselves a behaviourist. Anybody can call themselves an expert in, in dog training. So it's really important to be able to find um, the, the, the right kind of advice. But usually it's not a bad idea to maybe start with a vet um, and ask the vet, you know, what, whether or not they can make some recommendations. I mean, I can give you some um, some links to, to, to yeah. things later on, but... Um, 
But yeah, it is important to find the right advice. But the other thing um, that people can do is um, is do a little bit of their own uh, research. Um, I mean, I know there's an awful lot of people that are in part of the um, your network who can help. You know, yeah. just very simple things like giving the dogs some sort of space and making sure that people know that a dog's anxious. And um, I know with the, the yellow army, the, the yellow uh, gear, um, you know, sort of issuing a issuing a, issuing a warning to, to all the dog walkers, sometimes very small sort of very significant things like that can help. Yeah. Um, depending on the level of anxiety, sometimes it is a veterinary matter. Um, and although we don't kind of want to reach for drugs straight away, you know, if a dog is really seriously anxious, then sometimes that that's that has you know that the, it's important to maybe reach out to the vet and see if there's anything that they can help with. But it's really is getting the right kind of advice and 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 educating yourself, finding out what you can do. I mean, um, just by the way that we approach our own dogs sometimes makes a huge difference. Um, not long ago, speaking to a client and uh, just the position of where the dog's bed is, moving it has made a difference. It's quite a nervous dog, and every time the children come home from school they're bounding in and the dogs in a constant state of just being sort of disrupted and, and feeling startled but when we looked in the house the bed is is straight opposite the door where the kids barge in with the books and the bags and all sorts. so just moving the bed into a quiet place where that dog's got some comfort and got um a safe haven makes such has made such a difference to that dog's daily life yeah. and if we can reduce some of those small stresses then it can just kind of keep that dog in a in a in a, in a more comfortable place and mm-hmm. um, they're not always kind of um getting startled and frightened yeah. so you know it, it obviously that's just some of the very basic things it can do but sometimes the small things can make a huge difference yeah. looking at their environment is a really important thing and I always say to people think about what the triggers are I give people a little diary to fill in what are the triggers once you know what the triggers are how can you avoid them so that's just one example trigger is when the kids come in from school and they're bounding through the door how can you avoid it move the dog's bed to somewhere where it's got a quiet safe haven it's made a huge difference but it's only a small but significant thing yeah no, it's really helpful to understand because I think the re- the, the important thing to get across is that there are small changes you can make and that and that you can improve things for you and your dog. And I know you mentioned in there about dogs in yellow and I know that we both know Sarah from My Anxious Dog and I've worked with Sarah quite a lot with raising awareness with her yellow um, yellow space awareness products. Yeah, yeah. So awareness yeah. is in there. <laughs> um, but even things like that, I know, make a huge difference. Having a, you know, having something on your dog's lead or collar or harness to say, keep away, I need space. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, it's, it's small, but it's really significant. Yeah. The other thing, of course, is, you know, educating breeders or people, you know, it doesn't necessarily, breeders don't necessarily um mean that 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 somebody's a breeder a professional breeder yeah. it could be somebody who wants the litter from their puppies just being able to tell them about how to socialize a puppy mm-hmm. properly and you get that out there and I know Rebecca um Walters yeah. is doing a great job with that as well so it's it's all it there's so many things that you can do you know in in terms of prevention um proper socialization as I say and uh and 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 using positive reinforcement training as opposed to punishment yeah. all of these things you know that it, it's I always say with behavior when I see a behavior case I always describe it to the owner as being a little bit like an onion 
behavior problems are like an onion there's always lots of different layers to them and it's kind of that's the same uh, approach that I take when I'm putting together a plan it's kind of right there's lots of different layers that we need to pick off this onion and find out when, and then put together a plan that's really quite holistic yeah you know, it's not just about it's about the dog obviously but it's about their external environment it's about what's going on inside them so I call that the internal environment something that I talk about in the book you know that it's not just about what's around them it's it's the social environment how you interact with them how all the dogs interact with them so it's 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 all these different kind of different environments and they make the whole so I think it has to be quite a holistic plan and you have to look at the dog a bit like an onion yeah. <laughs> One of the things I've realised um, from having two very similar dogs in breed, so Patch and Daisy, my late dog, they have got the, the both four different types of terriers and three out of the four were the same. Patch and Daisy was Lakeland and Patch's Wire Fox. It's mm-hmm. really similar, but such different personalities. Um, Patch is very timid and he's quite shy, whereas Daisy was, I mean, he's boisterous when he wants to be, but he's generally very, very quiet, whereas Daisy was very wild <laughs> and loud. <laughs> and now I realise probably anxious. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, a, I guess it's like you were saying about the onion analogy. It's really mm-hmm. interesting because sometimes we just think, oh, we've got another Labrador or we've got another yes. Cocker Spaniel or whatever, but yeah. they can be completely different um, personalities and that can be impacted on loads of different things, like how they were in the litter and where they were in the, in you know, when the mum was carrying them. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes to early life experience doesn't start when they're born. Yeah. Early life experience starts in the womb. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's fascinating, really. And that's why I love behaviour so much, because it's, it's so interesting and there's so many different facets to it. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just, you know, straight up it's the genetics. But it's not even it's not even the genetics that they, that they acquire from the parents. It's what's going on at that time when the mother is carrying them. So it's, yeah. that, that, you know, in the, when they're developing as a fetus, you know, it, it, you could have you could have the most laid back mum in the world. But if she, during a pregnancy she comes across some trauma, something traumatic occurs, then that could that 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 rise in those those stress hormones can cross the placenta and then it and then it could predispose that little individual to be more anxious. And obviously it depends on what's going around them in their world when they're born and how we as 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 you know nurturing them and how the mum is at nurturing them can make all the difference and mitigate some of that stress you know it's it's so interesting to to think about what impact everything has on this this little individual and so the way that we you know the way that we manage the mother when she's pregnant comes into helping that individual before it's born so interesting isn't it so your book tell us about your book and what kind of things we've talked about what it's like if you what are the signs are if you that your dog might be anxious what help is out there um what can lead to anxiety um and what I'd love to know is because I hope if somebody's reading or listening to this it's it might be because they want to explore this topic so I'd love to know what can people expect if they get your book and what kind of resources are in there well what I tried to do with the book really is kind of start right from the beginning what what causes anxiety what makes an individual likely to be anxious so I talk all about that early life that experience in the womb um, and then talk about how we can how we can prevent it how we can mitigate stress so we we, you know it's almost like the whole life of a dog um, prevention um, and and then treatment Mm -hmm. 
So it's a sort of a kind of a dog self-help book. I know the dog can't read it, but um, I think if an owner, I think understanding a problem really helps an owner get what's going on with their dog. And so this book is designed for people to really understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then when they understand what's going on, then they can sort of, they feel, they feel probably sometimes more empathy for the dog or they feel more in control of what, what's going, you know, they can understand it. But then, of course, the book then moves into, right, okay, this is prevention. Now we're going to look at how we can treat a dog that's actually already got um, any of these anxious behaviours. So it looks at, you know, noise sensitivities. It looks at dog dog aggression and fear and uh, fear of unfamiliar people and and uh, separation anxiety. So it tries to look at the whole raft of different types of behaviour that have got that uh, fear and anxiety at the root of them. Yeah. And for each one, I look at, um, you know, how, how we could put together a behaviour plan. So in the book, there are actual case studies with behaviour plans, mm -hmm. which I think form, although every dog is an individual, it gives people an idea of what a behaviour plan might look like and how they could put it together. I think by the time they finish the book, they will be able to put together a plan for their dog. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's going to replace getting some expert help if the dog really you know, is, is in need of that. But it really, I think, is almost, I mean, it's not that cheap to see a behaviourist. Yeah. The book's at the moment retailing at sixteen ninety nine. Yeah. So it, it's a, an affordable, it's access makes it accessible for so many more people. Yeah. Um, there's all sorts about the types of equipment to use, the type, there's training guides in there. Um, it talks about diet and how important that mm -hmm. is and complementary therapies that you can use. Yeah. And it's kind of trying to pack in as much as I can in there it talks about um you know what we can do on a day-to-day -day basis to help our dogs yeah. so a kind of what i've talked about today with you but sort of more if you like but yeah, yeah sort of in uh, that snapshot of what we've talked about is is all in in the book it's quite nicely illustrated as well i've tried to put lots of photos in of body language there's a big yeah. section in there how dogs communicate so people will be able to look at that and go ah i see i can see that and, you know, when you describe something, it's much better if you've got something that you can actually see. So you can describe yeah. it and then see it, think, ah, I recognise that in my dog. And so there's, there's yeah, there's, there's um, it's, it, I've tried to be as comprehensive as possible and include as much as I can in there. Yeah. I love the idea of it being a self-help book and for dogs and, and making, as you say, something that's really going to make a difference accessible because, like, you know, be, as you say, have getting support is, it can be costly and, people don't want to let the dogs down and people don't want to give up on them. And actually for that, it's, it's a really good, gives them a really good understanding of what's going on. So they can, like you say, have empathy for the dog rather than, yeah. think, Oh, my dog hates me. Or why have I got yeah. such a naughty dog? Or why is my dog a nightmare? Actually look at the things they're trying to tell you. And yeah, it's, it's, it's so important because I can imagine, I feel very fortunate because I've, you know, my dog Patch is very calm and nicely behaved and I don't think he's anxious and Daisy, you know, she probably was, but she, you know, it wasn't, to, it wasn't to the extent where I was worried about her, um, you know, she couldn't well, go out or she'd be yeah, yeah. very upset around other people or dogs or anything like that. But I know from speaking to other people over the years, what it's like to be, or a little bit of what it's like to be in the, to have an anxious dog. 
Um, so having this support is so important, isn't it? What would you say is the impact? You know, tell me a little bit about like what the impact is like on owners when they're at that stage where they haven't yet, you know, when they're thinking, oh my gosh, I want to help my dog. I don't know what's going on. I want to do the best by them. You know, what kind of, what kind of emotions do you see from, from the owners? Gosh, um, I mean, really it's for some people they 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 just don't know what to do the the thing what often people will do is they'll probably look at dr google first of all and they'll try something and it doesn't work so then they'll try something else and that doesn't work so then they'll try something else by the time that you often get to see them as a behaviorist their dog has undergone lots and lots of different kind of you know they've tried everything but but actually what can happen is is that they may have they may have hit on something that would have worked but they just haven't tried it for long enough mm. so you do need to have some sort of patience and some guidance from somebody like me to say look it probably won't you in fact in very many cases behavior looks as if it's getting worse before it gets better because if a dog has had success from let's say it's frightened of other dogs and so it barks and it reacts towards another dog and most of the time that results in something positive for them i.e the owner moves them out of the way or the other dog moves out of the way then that dog ultimately thinks that that behavior has worked so they they it's really they reinforce themselves in a way they carry on performing that same behavior and when we change a behavior we try and sort of modify a behavior sometimes the dog can get frustrated because they're not able to react in the way that they did and so that makes them try even harder so if that makes sense it can actually it can look as if a treatment is making the dog worse but in actual fact it's a matter of how you how you manage that behavior and and how you get support through some of that um that short period of time when the behavior might look as if it's getting worse so it's it it is it is important to have somebody that's kind of acting as that support mechanism to explain what's going on and some of these things may be perfectly normal and even though you do need to manage them and you need to manage them properly so um so that's quite important i think Uh, but talking about the remote people's emotions i mean sometimes it's it for us as behaviors it can be difficult because sometimes people come to you when they're literally y'all you know it's if this doesn't work we're going to have to take serious steps and i mean you know serious steps um so there's quite a bit of pressure sometimes on us as behaviorists you know that you think well if we can't get this turn it around these owners are thinking about having this dog put to sleep you know it can, it can even get to that stage some people it really affects the relationships it affects the the household you know the dog that i saw recently the, the owner that i saw recently said that you know we live our lives walking on eggshells because of the dog it's affecting our family life so you know it does affect people and they are part of the family um, and so if the dog's not right, then everybody's upset. I know that feeling when my animals are right, it upsets me because they're my family. So yeah, people's emotions are, are all over the place. And particularly with anxiety, if they've got a dog that's anxious when it's going out for walks, and if it is reactive because of that anxiety, then people will sometimes just be put off going out. Um, dogs don't have to go out. Um there are other outlets for them. However, people want a dog that they can share their lives with. So, you know, that it affects how they feel about, about the, 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 the dog and the way it fits in with the family. So, you know, our job is, there's quite a bit of an emotional investment for us as well as behaviorists to try and help with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I remember when, when I first moved up to the Northeast, 
when I used to take Daisy out for a walk, there was this one lady and she used to walk a dog at like five in the morning. I don't know why I was out so early, but anyway, I used to see her and I used to just think, oh, she's doing that because the dog's anxious. And every time if she saw, you know, another dog walking, the dog would start barking. And I felt so sorry for her. It was just really heartbreaking to see. Um, yeah, and people can be people can be really judgmental as well. You know, if you have got a dog that's reactive and back, you know, you can people will feel in, the owner will feel embarrassed about that, and so yeah. then they, you know, it just affects how they feel about themselves. You know, they feel that they fail the dog, or um, so as a counselor, as a as a as a behaviour counselor, we do have to um, certainly part a big part of my course was human psychology mm-hmm. because we're we're counselling and helping the owner as well to kind of feel to not feel those emotions because the other thing that's really important and again I mentioned that in the book is that dogs can pick up on our anxiety so if you've got an anxious dog and an anxious owner then that is is a combination that can you know kind of be a bit of a downward spiral mm-hmm. so a lot of our job is to bolster the owner and to give them some confidence and that's when I will work with trainers I'll say you need some help to train your dog and you need some support from a trainer and then it can be kind of a multimodal um, event you know it might even be if we've got a dog that's anxious because it's got some pain it's working with a physiotherapist and working with a behaviorist and working with a trainer and so we're all part of this multimodal I don't think it's a good idea that we feel that we should work on our own and I know that's something that you embrace in in what you do you know that we all have got different strengths and we can through collaboration and working together can just be the best we can be for our dogs yeah no that's such a such a lovely um lovely way to explain it and my final question to you was going to be like what's the message for anyone who's struggling and you've kind of answered it there but I'd love for you to just answer it in your own words because there are so many wonderful people out there who can help absolutely yeah it's reaching out uh not being frightened don't be embarrassed don't feel that you you know don't people people that work with animals tend to be nice people I think I think we've got a lot of empathy understanding we're here to help we want to help the dog we want to help the 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 dog and through through the owner we help the dog so we want to help there's a lot of great people out there all doing slightly different things but all with the same aim you know whether it's um you know we're all part of that kind of big holistic plan really yeah. and I think if you look for somebody who is when you when you're choosing to work with somebody I think it, for me if you look for somebody who's got that attitude that holistic attitude and and will will guide you towards different resources different people I think that's a really good sign that's a good something that's something positive to see in in a in a practitioner um uh, so yeah I would say reach out don't feel guilty look for support get that support and because it's through that support that you'll be able to help help the dog you know it's about you as well so um so yeah look be kind to yourself I would say yeah and also like Another thing I would love to say for if anyone is listening, they've got an anxious dog, like by having an anxious dog and and, and caring enough for your anxious dog to listen to Caroline talk today, you're doing an incredible job. And there is, as you've said, there are so many, and I'll link to these in um I'll link to these in the blog post that goes with this. But there are brilliant people out there. Like obviously there's this yourself, there's loads of people who are talking about holistic approaches and there's, you know, holistic dog groomers who will ask for consent. There are um, dog walkers who you can have solo dog walk dog, dog solo dog walks with all yeah. this stuff is out there to help yeah. support you so don't feel alone um is 
yeah, I mean, I've, it blows my mind the lovely things that people do and how thoughtful people are. And like, I remember speaking to Stephanie from the Holistic Grooming Academy and she was telling me all about her work. And it was, it's just, just so incredible that, that there are so many people out there who want to do really, really great things. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're all kind of, we're all sort of wanting the same aim, even if we might be sort of, you know, diff- from different, um, different professions we're all kind of linked inextricably yeah. linked we all want to help animals but yeah I mean you know people that are uh, out there that are doing just such great incredible things and and everybody really does care about you know we wouldn't be doing the job if we didn't care about about the dog um you know we are animal lovers at the end of the day and we just want to do what's best best for them yeah Fabulous. Okay. Well, Caroline, it's been so lovely chatting to you. Thank you so much for your time and your wonderful book as well. Where can people, I will put the links for your book and for your website and everything, but just tell us um, where people can get the book and where people can find out more about you. Well, there, I've got an author website, which is um, carolineclarkbehaviorist.co.uk. And there's lots of sample pages of the book there. Um, and some links to some free ebooks as mm-hmm. well um, on sort of related topics. Um, but it's available from Amazon and all the bookshops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, yes, you can get it uh, can get it widely, you can order it. So yes, it's it's it is uh, widely available. So um, but if anybody does want to uh, have a little peep, then please do look at that author page. Brilliant. Okay. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me, Caroline. It's wonderful speaking to you and good luck with all the things around the book. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.